The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. Joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest is Robert Larson. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Well, we'll start off with the first story, which is one of visual anti-justice, which never ends well. Um, apparently, a woman was raped, and uh, she reported it to the police late, which is no means that she didn't get raped. But uh, a dad and a family friend decided to uh, take justice on their own for this and showed up to the park with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty disturbing story. It kind of adds to that flavor that is sometimes considered to be an effect here of a kind of wild west uh, nature but uh yeah uh or what would chuck norris do <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah a girl uh claimed she was raped uh didn't initially report this to the police it kind of came out after uh she had her father and this friend engage in this uh vigilante justice but uh so yeah, she it was you know it wasn't a stranger rape kind of thing. It was the the girl was at this guy's house, uh, knew him, w- was there willingly, and uh, was really drunk uh, and passed out from drinking too much vodka. Passed out on the guy's bed, and then that's when the the attack, uh, the rape uh, occurred. So uh, anyway, but she didn't go to the police with this, but went to her dad and her her uh, friend. And they came up with this plan. She lured the guy to the uh, park, and then the her friend, his twenty year old friend, pounced on the guy with a baseball bat. And it, it was a pretty uh, gruesome attack. And uh, they kind of quote some in the paper here: uh, the uh, struck uh, fifteen or more times, suffered skull fractures, large cuts to his scalp that required more than two dozen staples. A lung injury, mangled ear, missing teeth, several broken bones, and more. So, yeah, this was, uh, um, I, I guess the guy's lucky to be alive. And so then when that happened, then the, the police figured it all out, and it, this girl was brought in, and then this is when she claimed, you know, the rape, there was a rape. And now the, the guy who was beaten almost to death is now facing rape charges, but the father and the friend and the girl all three of them are facing attempted murder and aggravated mayhem or something something to that effect but it's a serious crime and they're they're facing uh, serious time and so but the judge kind of wondered aloud if um let's see what uh, yeah he said that the vigilante justice is uh, isn't a defense to a criminal charge but he said uh, you know how a jury would react to the case he's wondering you know he's kind of concerned about that because some people have a sort of fond feeling toward that that wow we should do that more that these away with things and we should just take things into our own hands i mean i'm sure you you hear that even in orange county yeah and from my dad yeah and you always say to people like that well what if they accidentally got the wrong person or you know what if uh, the person was mistaken about that this he even did this to begin with oh well you know we'll we'll take care of that later yeah uh, i mean vigilante justice never ends well for anybody involved so i hope i i hope they uh get convicted for that that's pretty bad 
I mean, yeah, and if the guy actually did the rape, hope he's convicted too. And yeah, I mean, exactly. So as what he should be going to prison, not being uh, beaten horrifically. Yeah, in a park. Um, so thinking of things found guilty, three Marines from our last week's story, they were found guilty of attempt. Uh, what was it? Aggravated murder or? Uh, I'm not sure. If the, yeah, I think it was it was first degree murder. And- oh, okay. Aggravated assault and rape and torture and uh, yeah, those were all the charges. Those things. I think they were convicted of everything. Um, the and it seemed like the jury came to the conclusion quite quickly. And uh, these guys, they're now going to the penalty phase where they could be facing the uh, the death penalty. It's weird. They have pictures of these guys in the paper, and they they look like real <laughs> clean cut marine guys they don't they don't really have like a gangster thug look to them they they look like you know seriously it's just, wow they don't look like guys that would do something like that you know i not that there's a certain look but you know what i'm saying oh yeah Some, see the guy that's just got tattoos all over his face or just got a really mean look to him and you're like oh okay yeah these guys just look like, well... Well, there's a certain jailbird look, and these guys don't have it. What happened to this uh, fourth Marine? Did he plea out and get his uh, other three friends this, convicted, or what? He chose to be tried separately. Oh, okay. He chose that, and that that's ongoing. So I don't think they're... I don't even know if it's actually in trial yet, but it's it's on a different track and, and you know, far from being concluded. But these three are convicted and probably going to be put away for a long time if not get the death penalty um if the death penalty still exists by the time you know they actually get to the phase where they run out of appeals california's been kind of slow at that lately which is great um i mean i'm yeah i, I hope they do <laughs> repeal the death penalty for, but for people like this yeah i think just lock them up pretty much forever yeah that's misery in itself so um speaking of fun the atheist group is an atheist group is suing because somebody wants to put a religious symbol in the Lake Elsinore storm, uh, baseball field of play, which is a publicly, uh, financed stadium. And, uh, to, you know, to, to say that they're not excluding other religions, uh, the group that wants to put the Christian symbol is adding a star of David to make it all better. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it. Well, you know, we've kind of heard this story before. It goes on quite a bit throughout the country, and the courts have generally concluded that memorials and whatnot on public property, public institutions, uh, cannot have religious symbols on them. You know, it's that that's a violation, and so it's kind of weird. You know, they they just keep trying over and over. The sort of Christianist groups, or or people that aren't even necessarily Christianists, they just don't know and they don't care. And this seems to be the case. It doesn't seem like it's being pushed overtly by any sort of uh, Christian type group. It just people thought it was nice, and then when when the uh, non-religious groups protested before it it even went into effect when they were just coming up with proposals for for the plan they're like you know really you shouldn't have any religious symbol on here we don't want to have to take this to court but we think this isn't right and it's it's a violation of of the rights of everybody who's uh not religious oh definitely they will feel excluded uh if they go to this place and that you know they're kind of a second-class citizen if there's these religious symbols of which they are not part of. And I, I mean, for the most part, if you go somewhere like that, it's not a big deal. But overall, if there just becomes this thing where these things are everywhere, it, it does create a, 
um, feeling that we are a religious country or a Christian country, and that if you are not that, you, you again, are a second-class citizen. So anyway, the, the group, um, the what is it, the American Humanist Association, is a group dedicated to promoting the interests of those without traditional religious faith, uh, is, is the group involved here. And yeah, they, they went to the city council and said, we don't want to go to court. Can you be accommodating to this? And they, they weren't. And so uh, they ended up going to court. And we'll see how that plays out. I think Humanist Association, American Humanist Association will prevail in this case. Whatever your feelings are about it, it just seems that's it's it, that's the way the courts generally rule on these things. Yeah, and it seems like it, the number of religious symbols are are going up, and as far as there seems to be real fervor about putting religious symbols somewhere, I think it's because the people that are pushing that see that their church numbers are going down among the young people. Yeah, and they want it to be well. We can't seem to get people to voluntarily be religious. Let's. Make it state mandated. Yeah, it's like they're one last thing to cling on to before we become uh, like a atheist Nordic country or something like that. And they're that's the way they're trying to fight this thing out. Yeah, and so I thought it was funny when you know the original complaint was made uh, because there was a cross on this uh, this memorial that they oh we will add a star of David you know as if that makes it okay. So yeah, you're including two religious symbols out of what like. A thousand religions out there, so you're you're still being very uh, exclusive. And I don't even, you know, I don't even, you know, the Star of David, a Jewish symbol, I don't even think is the second most popular religion in the U.S. We'll see where that goes, and um, we'll keep uh, that one up to date because it is an interesting story. Whenever that symbols go up in public areas, and yeah, so um, and then moving on to another story, there's a guy that's a accused of molesting two teenage girls in Menifee. Um, it turns out this guy is a Mormon bishop, and the Mormon church let him go, but the church isn't releasing the exact date of when they let him go. Uh, why is the exact date really that necessary here? Yeah, I, I, I think it's because uh, if the charges became, uh, if the church, the Mormon church became aware of the charges, the, the guy should have been uh, immediately been uh, suspended and they won't give a date so you're thinking did they know and they were hoping it could be swept under the rug before they let him go a la the catholic church uh, <laughs> we know the catholic church does this and so it wouldn't be surprising if the mormon uh, church uh, does this kind of thing as well tries to sweep it under the the rug uh, probably to avoid being sued more than anything else but uh, it's just it's funny because both churches are, uh, you know, have some very right wing uh, inclinations in trying to impose their ways of thinking on the rest of us. I don't get that strategy because then it makes it look like, in fact, it doesn't make it look like it. You are complicit in their crimes. Why? Why just not let them go and deal with the lawsuit when it happens? Yeah, I know. Well, the Catholic Church has done this over and over, and it's yeah. cost a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's... It's eventually going to cost you a lot of money, so why not just get out of the way now and then work with people to bring these people to justice? Then it won't look like you're harboring them, or you're harboring them. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, sometimes maybe they're, they have, like, they're, like, good friends with these people. I mean, you know what the case with the, the football coach uh, that at Penn State... 
oh yeah, Joe Paterno, and he's just like, oh yeah, Jerry Sinzeski, he's just a little weird. He's a good guy. Yeah, it's like they don't want to believe it or something. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, this story came out a, a week or so back, and they, it was just that this guy had been uh, charged of sexually assaulting these teen girls, a couple of them that are uh, recently, in recent years, and then there was another one that they're not charging him with because it was so long ago it's past the statute of limitations. So this guy seemingly has a history of doing this thing, and they're saying that he um, is taking these girls to these undisclosed remote locations, which sounds pretty creepy. Uh, so, yeah, and so this has been going on for years if the charges are true. And the interesting angle, I thought, was that it just came out that he was a Mormon bishop and that the church uh, is not being forthcoming about when he was let go. So was it like months after they knew this was going on? And then then this is the issue. that. Well, it will be interesting. Maybe this is the first uh, domino in the Mormon church having an issue like this, uh, as the Catholic Church did. We can sort of hope. <laughs> if things have been going on, that they they are going to come to light, and that oh, yeah. people will start uh, <laughs> reconsidering being involved with uh, these uh, types of uh, I don't know I, I think regressive uh, institutions. Oh, definitely. Um, speaking of institutions that have to uh, deal with, uh, one of them, the county clerk's office in in the Inland Empire, they have to deal with issuing potentially. Uh, marriage licenses for gay and lesbian people. How are they dealing with this? Yeah, this was interesting, especially it kind of ties to this story because uh, we know uh, Prop 8, that was uh, 2008 uh, was passed here. In, yeah, 2008. Yeah, 2008 uh, that made it illegal for same-sex couples to get married um, passed with uh, probably would not have passed without the help of money coming from the Mormon church we were just talking about and money from uh, actually from the Knights of Columbus, which is a Catholic affiliated group. So again, these two regressive organizations. Uh, and now we're, can we're I just say, can I just enter something real fast? Every time I hear Knights of Columbus, I think it's a chapter of the Ku Klux Klan, but continue. <laughs> it does sound a little creepy, <laughs> but yeah, so they, there we have, uh, these groups doing this, uh, trying to stop this sort of train of change from coming. Uh, but, uh, I think the train of change is, is coming. We're in the Supreme court now with this case and, uh, observers of the court think it's very likely that proposition eight will be struck down and therefore, uh, same sex couples will be allowed to get married in California. So the County clerk here, here in uh, San Bernardino and Riverside County, are preparing for this and that they're saying they're feeling that it's very likely to happen and they're going to have this influx of uh, requests for marriage licenses, which um, which I think is great and I think is like uh, a little ironic because it was this uh, county, uh, these two counties I think were probably, especially Riverside County, uh, very responsible for Prop 8 passing. If you look at the voting trends, uh, I think the yes on 8 was uh, probably wouldn't have passed without Riverside County. Yeah, yeah. Well, Robert Larson, he joins us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Uh, thank you for being on the Heather McCoy Show this morning. You're welcome. Always fun. This is the Heather McCoy Show.